Welcome to episode 11 from the Bleachers, and we're going to start today, Nick, with a little promotion that we're running. So what we're trying is we got a set of From the Bleachers stickers. It's our first gear that we've gotten, and we want to give it out to our loyal listeners. We're getting Mick close to 50, 100 listens per episode. We want to say thank you to those people. You can get your From the Bleachers sticker. You can throw it on the Halber House bathroom when it reopens so everybody knows what to listen to on the weekends. So here's how you get a sticker. You see me or Mick downtown and say, hey, can I get a sticker? Or if you go on Twitter... Uh, our producer, Andy Favell, is going to send a tweet out about the sticker promotion. All you got to do is retweet his tweet, and then you're going to send a message to him on his, your address, and we'll send you one through the mail. So if you're listening somewhere across the country and you want to front the bleacher sticker, we'll send it out to you. We'll even pay for the postage for you. So look for the tweets about this podcast and the sticker promotion. Just hit retweet. Try to spread the word about our podcast. And then we'll ask you for your address, and you can send it to us, and we'll send you out a sticker. So that's what we're going to try out, just something kind of silly, but I don't know, something to give out a little bit. You can put it up on your wall in your workshop or something, and someone asks about the podcast, or you can just remind yourself to listen, because we're at episode 11, and we're uh, doing pretty good. We're pretty happy with the way things are going. It's kind of a slow time right now. It's in the middle of a season, and games are just getting suspended, and the schedule is a mess at school. So we're kind of in a slow situation right now, but sectionals are right around the corner. So, Mick, we're going to be picking up things here pretty soon. So um, kind of describe what we're going to go through today here on the podcast. Yeah, we're going to look at uh, softball and baseball Possible sectional scenarios, the seating meeting for both the baseball and the softball is May 22nd. So we're actually just about two weeks from sectional seating day, and then the sectional, the section three playoffs going to start on the 23rd, which would be Thursday. So we're just going to kind of run through some scenarios, look at some teams, look at some records, and we're going to talk a little bit how the seating process works. The baseball seating actually changed this year. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit, but why don't you lead off, Nick, with uh, some of the teams to look for, some of the records that we're, where we're at, and then we'll kind of talk about that, the change in the sectional seating. So first we'll go through baseball, and um, how about we just, we'll talk about, Mick, how you get seated in baseball. We'll try to do that first, because it, it might get confusing. Every year, leagues switch a lot, and this year they, they switch the process of seating. So I'll talk about how you get into sectionals and then Mick will talk about how you get seated in sectionals. So from what I understand Mick to get into sectionals you have to win 40% of your games either overall. So you take all your games you got to win 40% of them. Um, games in your league so Adirondack say is CSC1 and they have to win 40% of just those games or teams in your class. So say you're a Class B team and you end up playing 10 Class B games. If you win just four of those specific games, those three things will get you into sectionals. By May 22nd, you have to tell your athletic director who will submit your schedule and your wins and losses to the Section 3 committee. And then this year, Mick, they're going to do a different process of how to seed you to see who you're going to play. Yeah, the process previously, and this process actually was around forever, is baseball teams would be seeded by virtue of their league records. So that was done originally because with the weather being the way that it is each spring, 
most teams would be required to play their league schedule. So uh, sectional committees just felt that seeding off the league schedule would probably be the best formula in the past because teams would naturally have to get their league schedules played before they would play non-league games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So previously, going back to the beginning of time, as far, as far back as I can remember, baseball teams would be seeded on their league schedule. Frustration started to build through the last few years because many leagues, because of dropping enrollments, uh, many leagues had to kind of be redone, and you had some instances where you had Class B teams playing Class C teams. They would count as league games. C teams playing B teams going the other way. That would count for, as league games for them. So some of the smaller classes that were caught up in a B and C league or possibly an A and B league, Tri-Valley League, Nick, you actually have double A and B. Some of the smaller class teams felt frustrated because they would be beat, getting beat by a Class B school or a Class double-A school or possibly an A school, and they would be seated based on that league record, and they're playing half their games against teams that uh, may be a class above them, and that drum started beating a couple years ago when I was on the Section 3 Baseball Committee, so this year they decided that they're actually going to go to a formula, and you get so many wins for, you get so many points, they're going on a point system now, and the point system basically is if you beat someone in your class, you get five points. If you lose to someone in your same class, you lose five. If you go up a class you add and win, you add a point, you get six. If you lose, you get six points. If you lose, you would be minus four. If you go up two classes, seven points, minus three. That's pretty much how the formula works, Nick. I know a few years ago, basketball actually went to the same thing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it at first. I was always for just take your overall record and seed them. And what you're saying happened, actually what happened in basketball is uh, West Still and Skinny Atlas got mad because they're in a B league only and all their games are B games. And a team like Mount Markham years ago got seeded first and Mount Markham played mostly C games. And West Still and the Syracuse schools thought it's not fair that they get seeded higher based on a quote-unquote easier schedule, whatever that means. So they went with that point system. So basically, if Adirondack plays Holland Patton and wins, you get five. If you lose, you lose five. If Adirondack goes up and plays a Carthage and you win, you get six points. If you lose, you only lose four. This year, Adirondack played Ariskany. So right, Adirondack, right. if you beat Ariskany, you only get three points. But if you lose Ariskany, you lose seven. And the Cats lost to Ariskany. So you're losing seven points. So as you start creating your schedule now going forward, you've got you to gotta think of those things. And actually what happens is teams who are in high classes who don't have good programs become very popular. So if there's a team out there who's a Class A school, I don't want to pick any names, but there's a Class A school who's not very good, everybody calls them because you want to play. If a Class D school plays a Class A school and wins, they're going to go up and get eight points. So it's a huge advantage for those schools to try to find someone and get creative scheduling. I know I talked to your buddy, Coach Parsons, and he mentioned a couple games that he got specifically to help his seeding points. Now, what they do at the end is they take your points and divide it by your number of games, and you get a seeding index. And the difference between a one and a two seed could be maybe 0.1 points on that index. So those games really matter. And it, it, uh, it'll be a big difference, especially in the first round, when you're thinking about are you going to get home games. So it's a, it's a big change, and it's probably 
will take more effect in your scheduling as years go by. This year, your schedule is already set when the seating process came out. So it's uh, it's something different. It's something it's kind of hard to follow if you're not keeping track of points. Uh, some teams play teams you have no idea what class they are because you went down to Myrtle Beach and you played a team. They don't even have classes if they're out of New York State. So I don't know really how New York State will see those teams or class classified teams out of state. And those are things you're going to have to discuss. So what do you think of that seating? Do you like it? I didn't like it at first. Um, it kind of gets you a rush again to play bigger schools. It does force you not to play smaller schools. My last few years coaching, we won a bunch of D games, and we got in, and our seating index was really low, even though our record was pretty good. So it does kind of force you to not go and schedule quote-unquote easy teams and just go maybe get a bunch of small D schools and try to inflate your record. Yeah, and actually I came across this last year, Nick, when I was doing varsity soccer because soccer used the same seating index, and we ended up winning – not, I think we ended up winning eight or nine games. We ended up eight. I think we ended up eight. Seven, actually, we ended up nine, six, and one. But our seeding index wasn't very good, Nick. We played a lot of D schools. We played some D schools in that fall that some of those teams weren't relatively strong. So on paper, our record looked really good, nine, six, and one. And then the index, we worked out the index, and we ended up being a 12 or 13 seed. I know... You know, like going back to like last year, last year we were seated on our league record and we were undefeated in the league. So we were definitely going to be a one or two. We actually lost the coin flip to VVS. They got the one, we got the two. In baseball, it does matter, Nick, because a lot of the Section 3 tournament, it boils down to matchups. And some of those matchups, you want to, you want to be able to throw a certain kid on a certain day possibly. When you're looking through the bracket and you're looking down the road, not that you're looking ahead, but you're looking ahead, you're looking at possible matchups that you may see. So the seeding index, it, it does make a difference. I mean, obviously your index is going to be your index on seeding day and you're going to get slotted anyway. But if you, want a, if you want a high seed, if it's important to be a high seed, you know, which means a couple things, especially in class B right now, because there's so many teams, we're talking about it today. A high seed right now is a good thing because you want to stay out of the play-in game. You want to get into the round of six. You want to play your first game in the round of 16. If you're playing your first game in the round of 16, you got to win four games. If you got to play on the first day of the tournament and you're playing in the round of 23 or 24, you got to win five games. In baseball, that's a big deal because it's taxing on your staff. You're playing a short amount of games and you're playing games in a short amount of time. So you definitely, you know, obviously from my experience, definitely you want to get a high seed. You definitely do not want to play on that first day of the tournament. Like last year, Camden had to play on a Monday. Seeding meeting was on Sunday. Camden had to go to General Brown and play on Monday. We did get rained out. They won. Camden was supposed to come down here. We are supposed to play on Tuesday. Actually got rained out and played on Wednesday. But you got to burn a guy in that first game. So we're sitting here waiting for them. We're sitting on – we got our pitching lined up. In Camden, depending on circumstances, you can't line up the way that you may want to line up. So seeding is, in the baseball scheme of things, with your pitching staff, seeding is a big deal. Probably not, you know, probably not as much as basketball because, you know, it's not really, usually talent is usually going to win in basketball and maybe football, but baseball is really, 
It's about matchups. Those matchups and your concerns about those matchup matchups are legit. So, getting a high seed, you definitely stay off that first day, which is really important when you're setting up your pitching rotation. And so now you have to think ahead as you schedule. There's really no advantage for a team like Adirondack to go play a Class D school. None. Um, if you lose, you you get huge negative points, and if you win, you only get marginal bonus points. So there's no reason to go play. Say Remsen's really good this year. There's no reason for Adirondack to Zero. go play Remsen. Zero. But there's every reason for Remsen to want to play Adirondack. So you got to kind of you know think ahead about your schedule and really. You want to look for those teams who are A's and double A's if you're Adirondack who you think you can beat. And to year to year, you got to go and think in your head, you know, where are we going to be? You know, how many points we need to get? Who can I go out and schedule in a non-leaguer and try to get those extra points? And, it, and it's interesting, Nick, because last year, just to give you an example, this would be the best example I can give you. So last year, in the last three years, we played Whitesboro. And we played Whitesboro. I wanted to play Whitesboro every year because – Potentially, they're year in and year out. They're potentially Section 3 Class A champions. Could be legit Final Four team in Class A. So we wanted to see that competition to help kind of, you know, see where we're at. It would help us being involved in a game like that. But this year, like if, if I was coaching and with the seeding system, I'm not playing them because, you know, the probability of beating them is lower for us. And even though it would be, you know, we'd gain – we, we would gain six points and lose four, it really wouldn't be worth our while to play them. So they would be, like, off the schedule. And last year, we, I know Coach Pulio is playing Fort Plain this year, and we have a relationship with Coach Phillips down there. We played them last year for the same reason. They're a state Final Four team. Uh, but this year, I would not play them, even though, you know, Coach Phillips, we're good friends, but I wouldn't play them because right now, they're actually, they're scenic. But, I mean, they're number one in the state in C, and if you lose to them, it's going to be – uh, minus six, and that hurts you. And, you know, so it does, it, you know, it would it would have changed my schedule a year ago or two years ago if that seeding system was in place. You're better off going to play a, the worst Class B team out there right. than playing the best Class C team, which is almost counterintuitive. But you got to, I would say as a coach, you got to try to balance both. Get your competition and also try to set up teams we are going to get some points. So having said that, I went through the Class B and C brackets. I did this really fast so that my numbers aren't perfect, just to see where our locals would fall right now and what they have to do, especially Adirondack, because Adirondack lost to Holland Patton last night 8-6. to six. They've, they've had a tough league season, so a team that was hoping to compete for a league title is out of league title run right now. And so as a kid or as, you know, a fan of the team, you know, what's left to play for? Well, actually, there's a lot left to play for. Just looking through the Class Bs really fast, I got about 21 teams who are going to qualify. It's going to be in that range somewhere. It could get a little bit bigger. So that means there's going to be five or six teams are going to – or not five, six or eight teams that are going to play an opening round game. The seeding meeting is Wednesday, the 22nd. The first game is Thursday, the 23rd. And then the next round starts the 24th. So if you're one of those teams stuck in the bottom of the seeding bracket, you have to play two games in two days. And that's such a disadvantage, especially, like you said, with the pitch counts and pitching now. You've got to burn one of your guys. You're going to play someone who's got a similar record to you. They're going to be decent. She so might burn your number one, and that could end your season right there. You burn your number one. Your number two is going against the other team's number one. And 
you could be done. So for Adirondack the rest of the way, I think it's imperative, obviously, to get as many wins as possible. But you can't have the feeling, well, it doesn't matter, we'll just get ready and then start playing sectional time. You've got to play now and win those games now and try to get off. Right now, right now i got them on the 15 line, which would put them in a, a playing game, maybe with a Lowville, APW, Notre Dame. A lot can change right now. But if you can get out of that playing game and then wait a day and then have one of those teams come and play you, right, you're exactly. at such an advantage. Exactly. So I think it is a huge couple weeks for Lowville too. Lowville's in the same boat. So for both these teams, it's a huge couple weeks to try to get off that playing game. They call them those little pigtail games. And get your seed even to 10, to 9, to 8. You know, and actually, like a 10 seed is a good spot because you only have to go play like the three seed in the next round. If you get an eight, you got to go play the one, and that's tough to do. So the, I think the next few weeks, even though the kids might be deflated, you know, they've had tough games against Canastota and Holland Pat, and they're a couple of plays away from winning the league again. You have to get over that, and if you want to make a run in sectionals, and Mick, with their pitching, they got a couple of pitchers who line up, but you don't want to burn your number one that early and then face a skinny Atlas who has their number one guy. You're going to strike out 15, and you have only one bullet left in the hole. So their next couple of weeks are actually really important for them. Yeah, they need to definitely want to get off that 15 line and definitely want to get off that, you know, that opening round game. Don't... You know, you don't want to have to play the op- that, the opening round game because down the road too, you got to win five games to win the section. Whereas if you just are getting into the, you know, if you don't have to play that first day, then you're down to four. But that is a huge, you know, disadvantage having to play in that play-in game. And you know, Coach Pulio and the Cats, they can, you know, hopefully they can make some hay here. Uh, in their own division. So I think they moved up a game today. They're going to play Clinton, which they played a really good game against them the first time down there. So he has, just from the top of my head, he has Clinton left in Sherburne, and he should be able to make some, hopefully he can make some hay there. And he does have Canastota again, which will be a tough matchup. But I think a little falls. That yeah, was and then, and then he falls. has little falls. And the problem that you run into, Nick, there is if you lose, though, it's it's a minus six. And he has to go down there and play them under the lights at, at Vets. And that's a tough place to play and beat them. Very well-coached team, defending Class C champions. So there's some points to get out there. But on the flip side of that, there's, you know, there's the dangers of Little Falls losing six. And we said it before, he does have Fort Plain coming in. Fort Plain's number one in the state. They're Class C, so you know if you beat them, it's only four. If you lose to them, it's it's minus six. And you know, really, right now, looking at that schedule, they don't really have a lot of margin for error if they want to get to a seed where they won't have to play the play-in game. So I, I think Nick, they're probably going to have to get to. I'm I'm thinking they're probably going to have to get to ten, eleven, twelve. Maybe 13 is probably going to be iffy, but if they can get to the 10 line, the 11 line, they might miss that, and then, you know, they, you know, they may miss that, and then they could possibly grab, they would be grabbing, in the on the 10 line, you'd probably grab a seven, you know, it'd be seven 10 game, in the round of 16. So definitely got to try to gain some points, but I mean their index right now, I 
without really looking at it. Their index is, is right around zero. Yeah, I mean, I, that's really where it is. And then, you know, there's probably half, you know, half the field's minus. And then if you're, if you're, le- if you're under 500, you're going to be minus for the most part. I had them at a seven. That was before last night's right, game. Yeah. So they lost yeah. five points last night. So they're probably at a two. And the last thing is, you think coaches are going to manipulate this? You think coaches may intentionally cancel games? There's no doubt. So yeah, if you think, that, well you think as the seating well meeting comes that someone's looking at their, their seating and say, hey, I'm here. If I don't play a Fort Plain, yeah, and if you get I, if I you could, get questionable questionable yeah. weather, it's easy, it's easier to do. And that has happened all over the years where people cancel games. So I remember years ago, Dowdsville canceled a game against I think Coach Mathis was coaching, and they right. canceled a game. Said their field was underwater, and we went out there and drove and looked at the field, and it was fine. So yeah, a lot of manipulation will go. So you gotta. You know, you got to keep track, and that's why having a, an AD is really important. And our AD, Cynthia Lozon, does a really good job to get all these games scheduled, to try to get everything in, which is a real pain in the you-know-what over uh, spring. So that's kind of it for baseball. Yeah, and, we'll talk, and just one more note, too, Nick. I think the other thing, too, is too. Yeah, with Class B is just kind of going through the field and looking at it. And we'll do this when the seeding actually comes out. But, I mean, right now, to be honest with you, that B's really wide open. I, you know, Canastota – you have the numbers in front of you. Canasota right now legitimately could be looking at a one seed. And, you know, obviously Sam DeGeorge beat us the first time. But, I mean, that's a team that, you know, as an eight or nine, I, it's, you know, there isn't really that overpowering team in Class B this year where I really think it's, it's wide open. I just wouldn't want to play, have to play five games. I really want to just play four. So, but, I mean, all bets are off once the tournament starts. And, you got two kids in Al and you got Ethan, you know, they won at every sectional game last year. There isn't there isn't any other team in class B right now that has two kids that won multiple sectional games. We are the only team that has that. So, you know, this you know, despite right now the struggles in the league, you know, that door is certainly open. You got VVS CBA probably on top of the bracket right now. Yeah, and actually CBA's they're up in baseball. So they're going to be in Yeah, a. so they'll, yeah, See, they're, I, they're I up in I know VVS a. has had a pretty good season. But last yep. year, yeah. you know. You and I would have said they were better last year. So, I, you know, so you know, not like last year's team. I'm not saying they can't win it, but I wouldn't say quite as strong as last year, at least on paper anyway. And then for our other locals, South Lewis Beaver River, right now for the class C's, they only got 17 teams in. So that would be – neither of them would be – in a playing game right now, so I think they're both safe. So what you're playing for is they're both probably playing for a home game. They're both kind of in the middle. You're looking at Little Falls and Oriskany, teams that would be on top of that bracket right now, a team like uh, Lafayette out in the Syracuse area, TI from the Watertown area. But I don't see a team in there, like you said, that's super dominant. Cooperstown's record is like 4-4, four and four, but I think they're a pretty it, good team. That's a team you probably yeah, don't Very want dangerous, to very well coached. See yeah. them in the first round as they're good in everything. So for our locals up north, again, you got to try to get as many. I mean, it's obvious to say. you got, you got to try to load up on wins these last couple weeks and get that home game. And in the seas, like I said, there's not going to be – there probably won't be a playing game. Or if there is, I don't think South Lewis and Beaver River are in danger. Yeah, and, and South Lewis and Beaver River, they, they do have a little bit of an advantage because with T.I. slash Lafargeville in there – that's probably the measuring stick. They really have the measuring stick in their division. So, Tia, they're you know South Lewis. 
Beaver River with the Frontier League playoffs, if that's going to happen. They have, they're going to have the opportunity to play T.I. Lafargeville possibly three times, so they've seen them. So they do have the measuring stick in their division, and sometimes that's rare where you actually have the team that could be the favorite. So I guess, you know, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, it, but I got to think when they go and play them, you're not, you've seen it, so it's not like you're scared. So they have that, they're in that unique position where they actually may have seen the favorite twice and possibly three times. And definitely think, uh, you know, Little Falls. And then Syracuse, always, those teams in Syracuse, always dangerous in Class C. Always someone like Lafayette or Fabius or some of those teams down there are always very dangerous and always, you know, do very well come sectional time. There's always one of those teams in, you know, out that way that's, you know, going to make the semifinals or get to the finals. It seems like that's, a, a, that's, that's normal every year. So that's kind of um, what's going to look like for baseball. And New York State um, updated their rules this year. You can now play seven days in a row. In a normal season, you, you can only practice or play a game six days in a row. They got rid of that for the rest of the spring season. So if some team needs to play on a Sunday or needs to play seven days and have practiced, they can still play those games. You only get to May 21st to get your games in. So you only have a couple weeks left. And if the game's not played by the seeding meeting, it doesn't count, so you got to get those games in. And as far as over on the softball side, Mick, um, for our locals, Adirondack girls, uh, they got something over Holland Patton because they squeaked out another one last night. Um, congratulations to Coach Vanacuatro as they won the CSC one again. Um, they beat Holland Patton six to five here. They were down three times in that game and came back and won in the seventh inning. And it's just some magic they have over Holland Patton is. Hound Patton just seems to be snake bit when they play us, and uh, we have their number. Now, when you go to sectionals for softball, it's just straight league record. And I talked to Coach Vanacuatro about it. He said if they were going to go to a point system, he actually would ask the league to change some things because they are required to play some non-league, or not non-league, some crossover games against C schools, which he wouldn't want to do. So he says, why would I want to go play a Cooperstown as a league game if they're a C school? So he's thinking in the future, if they go to a point system, he would want his more flexibility, I would say, in his uh, schedule. But again, hey. congrats to Ammo as they win another league title. They're going to be most likely undefeated going into sectionals. So they're going to be vying for a top seed. I'm not sure if anybody else is undefeated in the league. So you know they're going to get a one or a two seed. They'll have a home game. And you, you don't know this. Even though you're the one seed, that might not be the easiest road, per se, going through sectionals. Sometimes you get a two seed, and that side of the bracket's easier. So it's all in how everything falls. But you're going to get that home game, and you put yourself in a good position to make a run through sectionals again. Yeah, and the thing is with being that high seed, if they're a one or a two, I'll talk about that in one second. I mean, you're pretty much guaranteeing yourself. You're going to play that round of 16 game at home. You're going to play uh, the round of eight game at home. You're going to get the quarterfinal game at home. And certainly Coach Venequatro wants to do that. Just looking at the standings, I put the standings together for B, and the Cats right now five and five and zero or six and zero in the league. I don't really to, on paper they shouldn't lose again. Not saying it can't happen, you know, can't happen, but on paper they shouldn't lose again. So if they're able to roll through the league undefeated, uh, just kind of looking at things, the worst they would do, I would imagine, would be at least a three seed. Kaz and Marcellus are both eight and zero in the league, but they're going to have to play each other, so somebody's going to get a loss there. Oneida, 7-0, they play in the tough TVL. 
I think they have Camden again, so they conceivably they may not roll through and go undefeated. And then South Jeff, kind of unsure what their schedule kind of looks like. It's always hard to track down Frontier League teams and what's a league game and, and not a league game. They're 3-0 right now. They're in, they'll be in contention for a number one seed. But I, I would certainly say two weeks from now, I would 99.9% sure that Coach Venequatro and the Cats would be at least a one, two, or three. Uh, and I'm leaning towards probably a one. It might come down to them in Oneida if Oneida runs the table, but certainly a one, two, or three. And I know that's where, you know, Coach Venequatro wouldn't mind being. I mean, there's some matchups up there. There's some matchups out there that we've talked about that he would be more comfortable than others. Not going to get into that on the pod, but. Uh, but certainly, you know, congrats to them last night. Pulled out a great game. Another, it just another great softball game. You know, just a back and forth battle, intense game, big crowd. Uh, you know, so well on their way. Certainly, you know, want to tweak some things before the end of the season. Start playing, you know, as best you can. But you know, they're lining themselves up for you know a pretty good spot in sectionals. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind to see them play Holland Patton a third time. Games are very entertaining. And that Class B bracket is loaded. So Adirondack played Camden last weekend, and Camden handled us pretty good, I think. You know, Coach Venequatro was you know, disappointed with the outcome. I think it was 13-1 that ended up. He said the game probably could have been a lot closer than that, but he knows he's going to have to put more than one run up on the board to win a game like that. Oneida... Um, Defending sectional champions, Camden had them beat last year in the sectionals say, yeah. and lost. Lost six five. I and think they was, had them beat. there was an error late in the game, and then you got the Syracuse schools. So the the Class B bracket just loaded. Just what we talked about in basketball, it's so loaded, top heavy. And what's interesting too, Nick, just looking at that, just kind of looking. Camden's four and two in the TVL right now. I think they do have they do have Oneida again, so they could be lurking. Just kind of looking at this really quickly. I mean, they could be lurking in that five or six or seven seed, and you know, you could be grabbing a little Oneida in the quarterfinals with them being a seven seed. I know we did that in baseball last year. Like they actually want to play in and came to play us. They play in the Tri Valley League. I mean, very very dangerous. And that Camden softball team right now is really dangerous. And you know, them rolling in as a seven or eight seed, which is conceivable. That would, pre, that would be pretty scary if I was a top seed. Yeah, if you're a one seed and you see Camden is going to be your quarterfinal could be game, an eight. they could be an eight. You're not, you're not happy about that. And there's nothing you can really do. Yeah. You don't really know how it's going to line up. You can't, like, intentionally lose a game. You just go and play your schedule and see how it breaks down. You're hoping, actually, if you're the one seed, that they sneak into that seven hole. And now the Oneida Camden got to play yeah, each other in a quarterfinal right, matchup. Right. And you're hoping to get maybe an easier run through the – through the schedule, so you you never really know. Sometimes just th- things break the right way, or sometimes a team like Oneida looks past somebody and they get tripped up, and that's what the sectionals are for. So the uh, the Class C's, Mick, you got a couple of Class C's and what our locals are looking like for the Class C softballs. Yeah, I put together the standings for all the Class C teams, and right now South Lewis and Beaver River haven't really played a lot of League games per se, so South Lewis sitting at one and two, Beaver River zero and two. So it's kind of hard to kind of project where they may be or, or they won't be. Uh, but that down the road, it's a lot of mumbo jumbo stuff right now. I would say like West Canada is sitting at four and zero, undefeated in the league. They are probably right now 
probably be my favorite looking down the road. And then Ariskany, very good at 4-1. and one. Out at Syracuse, Port Byron at 5-0. and all. Uh, Fabius at 5-1. and one. And then you always can't have a conversation in Class C softball without talking about Sandy Creek. So they're 4-1 and one right now. They're the defending champs in C. Perennially, they're always looking to get to the finals. So right now, definitely Sandy Creek would probably project as your favorite once again. But... Still two weeks left, and still a lot of those teams are actually softball for some reason. They're stuck in that, especially Class C. A lot of those teams are stuck with playing like five or six games. So it's a little bit difficult to kind of project where teams are going to be at the end of the year. Uh, you know, so it's kind of a mumbo-jumbo sort of thing. But definitely Sandy Creek. And I like Mohawk Valley right now, Nick. I'm really I'm on that West Canada Valley train. Uh, Jordan Conti, she's in the news all the time. She's... Uh, they've been West Canada's been rolling it up. Got to the quarterfinals, lost or semifinals last year, and lost to Tully. So, you know, they're definitely on the radar. And then Tully, actually, who got to the finals and lost to Sandy Creek, they're five and one as well. So, you know, right now, Port Byron, Fabius, Tully, Sandy Creek, West Canada, Oriskany, and Frankfurt Schuyler, probably your teams to watch right now. And their seating is actually May 23rd, so they're going to seat on Thursday, and their first games will be Friday the 24th. And what we'll do is when those seedings come out, maybe one day we can do a baseball podcast and next day do a softball one. we got a couple people we know out in Section 3 we might get some guests on to get a different perspective on teams we haven't seen as much. But you will be seeing a lot of sectional action from our locals. I think, you know, just looking quickly, most of our teams are going to qualify I don't know if a team who's not going to qualify. So we should have four on each side. Our locals we consider Adirondack, South Lewis, Beaver River, and Lowville. And I think on both sides they are going to qualify. So we should have a lot to talk about when those seedings come out. And maybe we'll have a couple locals play each other and go check out a game and see uh, how our locals fit against each other. Yeah, and that probably, as far as baseball and softball, Nick, that probably wraps it up with just a little, you know, pre-seeding, just kind of a, just a refresher on where teams are going to be seated. And uh, hasn't been a good sports week for me, Nick. It's just kind of shift gears a little bit. We're talking about huge Celtics fan went down in flames last night. Not going to get into that. Nobody, none of our listeners care. Then I get up, uh, and then earlier in the week, the Reds, my my other team. Wake up next morning, they're out on the West Coast, and they got no hit. First no-hitter of the year, 2019, Nick, in Major League Baseball. We got to talking about no-hitters in Major League Baseball, and uh, I think there's one team left, Nick, that hasn't ever been no-hit, so, or it doesn't have any yeah, no-hitter. So, so according to what I looked up, the Padres are the only team that hasn't thrown a no-hitter. The Mets, I know, are on that list for a long time, and they got off that recently. So the Padres are the only team to not throw a no-hitter. There's been 300 of them, so there was a 300th the other day. They're kind of a little bit more common than you would think. You think of it as a huge deal. There's a couple every year. You said last year I think there were three. three. So I think um, years ago it might have been harder to do. The way baseball is played now, you're striking out 20% of the time. Balls aren't in play as much, so I think it's a little bit more common. So the perfect game is still probably the mark to, to go after. But it's, uh, the no-hitter is a rare feat, and it's, it's treated as a big deal, but it's not, I don't think, a huge feat as maybe a triple play would be because a triple play is a lot more 
rarer than a no-hitter would be. And, and it's hard to do now because I would say I'm probably talking out of both sides of my mouth is that most guys aren't going to go that many innings. You might get a guy who's at 100 pitches in the seventh and has a no-hitter, and they'll take him out of the game. So you know, maybe it is a little bit hard to do with, with specialties in the game, but it's, uh, it's been a good week for my side of the, of the sports fandom as I'm a newly crowned Warriors fan. You can say I've jumped on the bandwagon. I'll admit I've jumped on the bandwagon. So last night they pulled it out with Durant hurting his leg. Last I knew he's just got a calf strain. I'm going to guess he's not playing the rest of this series. So can the Warriors pull one out without Durant in the lineup? Um, they did win a championship without Durant. They had Harrison Barnes, who was really good that year. And they don't have that other guy. Ingadalo's a little bit older. Draymond Green's and I don't think as good as he was those years. So we'll see. My guess is the Warriors can win one one of these two games and make it to the next round. I don't know if they can win the next round without Durant. It's going to be hard to win four games without them. I'm thinking the Nuggets are going to make it through that next it round. Looks like the Nuggets. And then the Yankees, i got to be impressed. As they are doing well with 13 guys on the DL, and every day new guys on the DL. And they're not only treading water, doing much more than that, as they've won like seven out of their last ten and playing really well. They had a a really good trip to the West Coast. So things are good in Yankee land as as you can get your lineup back. You know, maybe they will be a, a huge force to reckon with. I actually wrote about them last week in the Herald, or two weeks ago, Nick. And if you want to check that sometimes, you can check out uh, you can check out fan graphs. Fan graphs updates like playoff probabilities and all that. And the Yankees, they've been, even with all their injuries, I get on fan graphs and they're still projected to win 94 their playoff probability is sitting like at 91, so it hasn't really wavered all that much. Red Sox, they've rallied in the last couple of weeks, getting a little bit more offense or pitching kind of coming together. Even as bad as the Red Sox have been, like their playoff probability was still like 85%. So not, not that I'm going to go and just bet the house on the fan graphs playoff probability, but it's always kind of interesting to see, to kind of look at that from week to week and see what the win projection projections are. But I mean, actually what the Yankees have done and in that, in I am the least Yankee fan out there. It's what they've done with their makeshift lineups has just been inspiring for Yankee fans, because you would think with the lineups that they've been rolling out, they would be, you know, at best 500 and they've just weathered that storm. And the thing Nick, is just kind of paying attention to them every night. They score every night. It seems like they score five or six runs every night. Very rarely are they, you know, getting shut down where they're three or less. Every night you look at the score and they're scoring five or six runs. They went out west, weathered the storm. So once they get people back, uh, look out. I mean, they could be you, – you could be – looking at possibly a 100-win team down the road. Sanchez has gotten hot over the last week or two to help carry them. What, what worries me is they're going to need pitching when playoff time comes. Severino, I don't even know if he's going right, to come back yeah. this year. My hope is that they sign Keuchel because no one's signed Keuchel yet. No one's going to sign him until after June. I think it's June 12th maybe because you have to give up a draft pick if you dra- – you have to give a draft pick if you sign them now. If you wait till after the draft, there's not going to be a draft pick. So if you wait until the middle of May, what's four more weeks? So if they, I read today in the paper that Keuchel's on their radar and just a guy who could eat innings up for them. Yeah, that's and he's a he's a postseason pitcher. Playoff pitcher, and you can get him in into a big park. I read people don't really like him in Yankee Stadium because 
He pitches the contact, but maybe if you get him in a a bigger park on the road in a playoff game, you know, he's won the World Series with the Astros, I believe. So he's he's uh, a veteran. He's been interesting too, Nick, because he hasn't budged off his market value. He said right now he's not he has no interest in signing below what he believes his market value is. And we're sitting here and you know, in the first week in May and he it's interesting, he has not budged. I mean, obviously that draft pick is you know, it, there is not one team that's not a contender that's even going to even remotely think about it. People mentioned it with the Reds, but the Reds right now, they're, they're still on like an 87 loss pace. So what are you, doesn't make any sense. So it has to be a contender. But he's been interesting because I read an article, I think it was yesterday, he said, I'm not budging off my market value. So, you know, he's one of those guys that he's lo- losing money every day. The later, you know, the later this gets, you know, he's losing money every day. This happened with uh, Greg Holland last year, and it went till the draft. And I, I can't imagine a team's going to sign him now until after the draft. And say right, Craig Kimbrell, right. Kimbrell's not signed yet, but there's no reason to sign someone now when you can get him in four weeks and not lose a draft pick. So I can't imagine either of those guys getting picked up. It'll be interesting. Who needs a closer in June? Because the, the best ones in the league is out there. He's a little bit older. But here's another guy, World Series tested. I've read a lot of things. The Braves looking at him. I mean, the Red Sox bullpen has, you know, no big names in it. Do they want to, you know, sign him back again? Yankees don't. The one thing they don't need is bullpen. Maybe the Dodgers because uh, Kenley Jansen hasn't really. He's been struggling a little bit. So look for that team who's. Needs a closer. I know the Cubs have had a couple injuries in their bullpen. You know, maybe they'll go out and spend money. But it's interesting. Something popped in my head when you talked about a gambling man. I was listening to uh, a radio station the other day, and they're talking about gambling with NFL picks over and unders. And uh, one of the guys made an interesting point. He looks at the over unders and he likes to bet the over and unders for win totals on NFL teams. And he says, if you're going to do that, go to the edges and look for teams that have high numbers or low numbers because that's where money to be made is. And the one team he picked that I I was shocked, he had the Raiders at five. So the Vegas has over and under and Raiders at five. And he said he's going to bet his mortgage on Raiders going over five. He said that's where you can really make your money. And I thought, you know, if I had a little bit of extra money, Raiders over five, you know, with the guys they brought in, you know, it would be – Hard-pressed me to see not them to win five games this year. And maybe the Giants. The Giants over and under, I think, is four or five, too. You know, give a shot on the Giants. You know, every other year they're going to make a little bit of a run. I can't see the Giants winning just, like, four games this year. Maybe they do again, but... And there's so much parity, too, Nick. NFL, everybody seems to always, by the end of the year, it's like everybody gravitates to seven and to six. So, you know... Might be a lot of credence in that. You look at standings at the end of the year, and it's like everybody's like six, seven. You know, teams are six and ten. Then you got your outliers at five and eleven, four and twelve. But those teams are like you said on the fringes, four or five. I know the Dolphins, my team. They're they're talking about tanking. I haven't looked at what the over under is, but I'm thinking over on over under with them right now, maybe like four and a half. It's probably four and a half. So, I mean, they flat out do want to tank, so I could see them like 3-13. and 13. They might be actually a team to take on the under. And if you want a, a sneaky bet, go put 100 bucks on Syracuse to make the playoffs. I think the last time I looked, it was maybe 20-1, to 25-1. to 1. Um, Syracuse, if they're going to make a run to go to the college football playoffs, 
this is the year. Everything's set up. All their tough games are at home. Their non-league schedules pretty easy. All their road games are the easier Work, teams yeah. in ACC. Manageable. Um, they start out. They got Liberty and Maryland, who are actually both pretty good teams on the road. Then you get Clemson coming into the dome, but for they got to go to Florida State. They got to go to Florida State, yeah. but Florida State's really struggled, right, right. and that program's not what it was. So if you beat, if they can beat Clemson that third week of the season, there is a really good chance they could go to the college playoffs. And you're getting big money for your buck there. So if you're thinking of an outlier. I would imagine Syracuse winning the national championship be huge, 50 to 60, maybe 100 to 1. But just to make the top four, all you got to do is win the ACC, and you really got to beat Clemson and then win the ACC title game. Or maybe close to Clemson, and and something happens with Clemson, and you yeah. get to that title game. But I'm thinking. And then one side note to that, Nick, I mean, the other thing, too, is we've never made any money gambling. So <laughs> as far as the conversation in the last five minutes, uh, but yeah, like Syracuse, we talked to, we've been talking about that for weeks, actually, if they came in, uh, you know, to win the whole thing, they might be going off at like 500 to one and you throw, you know, if you get to the college football playoff, you're two, you know, you're two wins away from winning it, but they could be going like five two, three 300 to one or 500 to one to win the whole thing. Yeah. Grand. So, you know, so grab your four or five people and get your money together. It might be, it might be a better investment than a Powerball ticket, actually. I had one good year gambling. Yankees, 1998, I think it was, the year they won all those games. They went in the playoffs, and I think they lost two or three games in the playoffs, and I bet them every single night, and that's the only time I actually collected some money. I got lucky on a Kentucky Derby once, I think. I think I bet the wrong horse at the window, and I had the wrong ticket, and I just got lucky that a horse came in. But, yeah, our... We're still working, so our gambling, yeah, we're still working. Our so. gambling record isn't really take it with a grain, grain yeah. of salt, right here. And remember to, uh, as we finish up the podcast here, retweet us or just say hi to us when you see us out in town, and we'll have uh, from the bleachers sticker for you. Put it right on your car so everybody knows you're one of the founding fans. You can say, "I remember those guys when they had their little podcast," and we yeah. have our. Well, they only had forty yeah, listeners when we're on our show on Fox Sports Twelve when they need to fill out their programming 20 years from now. So I think that's going to do it. We're going to have a week, and probably the next one will be close to sectional seating, and we'll see how our locals are going to do, and we'll try it out to get a bunch of games and see how our locals are going to do. It'll be interesting, uh, interesting spring to finish up here. I think there's high hopes. I know at our school there's high hopes, even with the baseball team, they could make a run. Make a run. And all you got to do is have – Major Gaylord hit a free fly ball to left field, and all of a sudden you, know. you go from you're going home to you are playing Seton Catholic in a uh, regional playoff game. That's how it can happen. That's how sports go. It, it, you can't predict it. So get in position to make those plays, and then see if you can get a kid like Major to make that play. To I'll never forget that hit. And I'll, no, he'll no, be a, neither will I. Neither, will I. neither will Major. He'll be a. Uh, a legend in Boonville for a long time. As remember that night you had that hit to, you were done. Be Camden. A, it was over. Game, it was done. Was it was over. over. So I think that'll do it for from the bleachers. We're here approaching fifty minutes. Now you got to make sure you watch Warriors Rockets. This series is awesome. If you're not watching NBA games, um, those games are super high level. Go watch Warriors. I want to see the Warriors beat them without Durant. 
and then see James Harden cry. And then I got to be honest with you, July comes and we can talk about NBA free agency. It is going to be a, it is going to be a wild, wild west because I don't think Kyrie's coming back to Boston. I think there's going to be a lot of guys moving, and it'll be fun to talk about possibilities. So I think that'll do it for us, Nick. All right, thanks for listening. Episode 11 in the books.